Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 706 0111. 706 0111. You know, I, I've, some, many of you don't agree. The way I look at sports, especially the sport of baseball, which is a little different than the other sports, and in some cases a lot different. But again, understand, the piper must be paid. And there, the, the Astros paid the piper yesterday, But and usually I'm angry about that. Usually I'm frustrated about that. But in this case, it just, I'm fine with it. I went into the series, and I wasn't joking. It was an awful circumstance series. The Red Sox had not won a home series all year. Their record, what were they, 10, 11 games under 500. They um, had Reving in mind because the Astros crushed their face in the ALDS last year. Um, and so it was an awful and it's the third leg of a three-city road trip. People, <coughs> that, 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 that doesn't normally go very well. You remember when the Astros played Seattle and they were on the third leg of a – it didn't go well for the Mariners. And, and I didn't think it was going to go well for the Astros. They started out this nine-game road trip, uh, five and one. So I'm like, you know, I'm not real good at math, but I said, you know what? If I just, I just, it's a bad circumstance series. I'm really worried about getting swept by the Red Sox. Really, I was really concerned about that going in. Um, and I just want to win one game, six and three road trip. I'll sign up for that every day, unless you know it's at the very end of the year and I got to have seven wins or whatever. But, but for the most part, I'm going to sign up for a six and three road trip. Every day, every time. And so I just wanted one win. And so it's kind of like if there aren't very many scenarios during the course of the year where I'm really wanting, I'm okay with putting all my eggs in this basket, go and hit as many home runs as you want or whatever. What the Astros did Tuesday when they hit those five home runs in an inning for the first time uh, in the history of the franchise, and for only, I think it was like the eighth or ninth time in the history of the game, um, was you, you knew you were setting yourself. I mean, if you understand the Piper and that if you understand the reality that the Piper must be paid, uh, you, you, you I mean, I knew deep down they were going to pay for it the next day. But... And most of the time, I'm not happy about that. But in this case, I wanted one win going in. There's no use to get all crazy greedy. And again, I kind of knew what this series was. It was not going to, for the most part, go very well. I kind of figured that going in. 
And so I just wanted my one win. Got my one win, six and three road trip. And they paid the Piper yesterday. Hopefully the Piper is satisfied. Again, the Piper is not always satisfied, but he should be. What the Astros did Tuesday was the was the offensive equivalent of throwing a no-hitter when you hit five home runs in one. I mean, that's just, you don't ever really want to do that. Except in this case, it kind of felt so good that, and the goal going in was, I want to win one game just to get to a end. And so I'm good with it. I'm good with paying the pipe. Normally, I'm not too happy about paying the pipe. Normally, I text out to my... Well, I hope it was. I hope y'all had fun last night. I hope that was worth it. But yet last night, I texted out. It was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth the fun of hitting five home runs at Fenway in the second inning on Tuesday to pay the piper yesterday. But I knew. I mean, I, I mean, if you if you follow, I mean, again, I knew the piper was going to be paid, and that's okay. Now. One thing I do like, I don't like playing the Rangers because they got guys that can hit and they got guys that Astros cannot get out, cannot get them out. But um, one thing I do like is they just swept the Angels. And I don't like playing teams that have been losing. I like playing teams that aren't due to win. The Red Sox were due to win. You know, uh, that, that's not good. The Nationals were due to win. The difference, the Astros won two out of three, but they lost the game because the Nationals were kind of due to win. I mean, if the if the Nationals had won a few games, I think the Astros would have swept them because they're not good. They're pub ball. But Astros were kind of due to lose. They had won a bunch of games, 11 in a row, and the, and the Nationals were kind of due to win. So, one out of two out of three, that was okay. And so I, I like the fact the Rangers are due to lose some because I'm telling you, the Astros, they just don't match up that well with the Rangers. Now, what they need to start doing is hitting the ball at home. They've got to start doing that. And we'll be talking with um, Pat McClellan of the Lima Time podcast and remind me, Hannah, Remind me, if I don't forget, remember Ned called from Baton Rouge last week and said to ask Patrick about why the Astros voted against the coming back, the deal, the don't. So we got to remind me of that. Because I might, sometimes I get carried away and I forget you, you some do. of the details. You do often, but I got you. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Um, Something else, and this is totally off topic. Uh, look, I'm trying my best to remain sane and logical and composed as a Saints fan because one of the things I say while the while the game is going on is I love when they listen to me because it almost always works out like it works out better when they just like do that run the ball here pass the ball here kick the field goal do this and when when they do what I say it it normally works out better and so and and plus it makes me feel good so in this offseason it's like everything that I'm thinking the 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 Saints are doing and so it's kind of getting me 
excited, but I'm trying to remain composed. Like, you know, gotta gotta get a safety. I mean, gotta get a safety, they got one. Gotta get a wide receiver, they got one. Gotta get an offensive tackle, they got one. Gotta get a veteran running back. And they don't have one yet, but the rumors are heading in that direction. So if that happens, the only other thing they're going to need to do is re-sign Quan Alexander. I don't know if they're going to get that done, but if they do, I don't know how I'm going to sleep. Really, I don't know how I'm going to sleep for the next three months. I mean, it's going to be so exciting. And the thing that I want to say is I I don't think enough people get what I'm talking about. (coughs) We've heard some reports. We heard one earlier when Raymond interviewed Les, uh, about first-round wide receiver Chris Olave, known on this show as Wes Chandler. I don't think those of you who are younger than me and are considerably younger than me probably maybe have heard the name Wes Chandler, but probably doesn't really know what that, probably doesn't really know what that means. Wes Chandler was awesome I'm just telling you okay now did he put up like fabulous numbers with the Saints no he put up some pretty good numbers with the uh with the with the Chargers and in Eric Coriel but understand when you look at the Saints best receivers of all time Danny Abramowitz nothing smooth about Danny Abramowitz I mean, he was just ugly and fizz and just, you know, he was, he didn't, there was nothing smooth about him. He caught the ball. I mean, he was the first great receiver the Saints had, but, but, but he was nothing smooth about him. Then there was West Chandler. But after West Chandler left, the next best receiver was Eric Martin. There was nothing smooth about Eric Martin. He was physical. He had great hands. He had no speed and he was physical. There was nothing smooth about him. By the way, Jarvis Landry, I think, has got some Eric Martin in him. Now, he's got a little more speed than Eric Martin had. Uh, I don't know if anybody's hands are as good as Eric Martin's were. But but, but, but he kind of kind reminds Jarvis Landry can kind of reminds me a little bit of Eric Martin. Then they had Quinn Early. Now, Quinn was underrated and forgotten about by a lot of Saints fans historically, but had two or three really good seasons. But again, he was a little big on the bigger side of the receiver, not as rough around the edges as Abramowitz or a um, little bit more or an Eric Morton, but but he was, um, you wouldn't call him smooth. The next best good receiver they had was Joe Horn. Now, Joe Horn was a really good player, but Joe Horn, he was more smooth than any of the other guys that I mentioned, but he was he had some physicalness to him. He was a trash talker. He ran with a, um, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't consider him quite smooth, although he was more smooth than some of these other guys. But he wasn't, like, silky smooth. Dante Stallworth was as stiff as a two-by-four. I mean, just never was a big fan of him. And then Marquise Coaston. Now, Marquise Coaston was is the most unique of all these guys as a receiver. Um, 
tall, slender. You, I guess you could say because he wasn't real fast, but he just uh, he was just too tall to have the kind of body movements that a West Chandler had. And then, obviously, Plastic Man Michael Thomas. There's nothing smooth about it. He's just, you know, he's physical. He's um, he's Eric Martin with a little more speed and just a little more, you know, further advanced. I mean, he's just, you know, he's a possession guy. He's a possession receiver on, on steroids, basically, is what he is. Not literally on steroids, but you know what I mean. And, and then now they have Chris Olave, and I have no idea what kind. I'm just saying this guy is smooth. You could just see his footwork on the sideline. The way he runs is just, man, it's Wes Chandler. I, I, I just don't think y'all know how hard it's going to be for me to sleep if they get Darrell Williams over the next three months with all this other stuff. And it's just um, it's all about the safeties, Kat. I'm, I, it's all about staying healthy. If they get Daryl Williams and re-sign Quan Alexander, um, it's all going to be about health and the safeties coming together quickly, early enough to take advantage of the schedule at the beginning of the year before the schedule gets really tough. That's what it's going to be about. I mean, once again, all you know, last year all the analysis was about Jameis and all misanalysis, in my opinion. And this year, they're going to talk about Jameis and Jameis and Jameis. All, it's going to be about the safeties. You got two new safeties. They got to get on the same page. Like, they need to have, like, sleepovers like we did when we were kids all offseason, those two. They got to get together. They got to hit the ground running and be on the same page. It took four or five games before Malcolm Jenkins was on the same page with Marcus Williams and, and, and with uh, Dennis Allen when he first came. Four or five weeks. It, it cannot take this long. It cannot take that long. It can't. Or or, or that's going to be a problem. Got to fix that. You got to communicate quick, quick, quick. All righty. Let's do this. We'll take uh, time out. If you would like to get in, this next segment's going to be about the last time. So the game hotline is 706-0111. So if you'd like to get in again, the next segment will be about the last time you're going to have to do that, maybe one other segment, but not going to be a lot of time to do it. So let's take a timeout. We'll come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back 
Two-foot nose, Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, want to remind you, Astros weekend giveaway two or getaway two. They both work. Saturday, June the 18th against the Chicago White Sox. Yes, the team, the Astros defeated in the ALDS last year. If you would like to win four tickets, a Minute Maid Park tour, as well as hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening, you need to go to the game club. You need to go to the website, register for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. And you might win. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Hotel, La Meridian Houston Downtown, I should say, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, Chad. Hey, man, Hi. I want to get your take on uh, Saban calling out uh, Jumbo, man. What a hypocrite. Don't you believe? I mean, you don't think he's tampering as well? And and maybe not him directly, but his people around him are are calling other players on other teams and trying to get them to go. As we see uh, right now, in the case of, of receivers. Well, again, it, w- w- with coaches at that level, it's always what they call plausible deniability, and it's just you know we, we you you know that stuff is going on behind the scenes. We've known it for for well, decades out, after decades. To call out to call out Jimbo, they're 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 somewhat good friends. And he's, I mean, is he getting old and senile? And, I mean, media day, SEC media day, I mean, Jimbo's going to come out with something today, 100%. Uh, but that's, I just, I think he's just hypocrite. And, and why is he, how long do you expect him to still keep coaching? I mean, what does he have left to prove? He's 70 years old. The game is getting out of control, the college game. Uh, go enjoy the rest of your life, man. But uh, anyway, thank you, Kev. Th- thanks, Chad. Now, look, there are some people, and Raymond was talking about that last out. There are some people that believe that, you know, this could be his last year coming up or shortly. And so, you know, maybe you're going to be more outspoken if you're that near the end. That kind of makes some sense. So that might add a little creep. But with that said, Tucktail's always he's never been real shy about giving his opinion. You know, when when the whole um when the whole hurry up offense kind of stuff started happening, you know, a lot more often, he was that gave him a lot of trouble when he was very outspoken and got rules changed and all that. So <clears throat> if it doesn't favor him, he, he's never been real shy about giving his opinion and being very critical. So I but, you know, again, I, I can't wait till he retires just so people can stop worshiping. Of course, they'll worship him even more once he retires, but at least he, you won't have to see his face anymore. All right, go ahead. Okay, so Darren, who Ray calls the number one Raging Cajun fan, says, what about bringing Jimmy Graham back on a very cheap deal just to see what you can get? He would make a great red zone target at this stage in his career, and that's it. Use him as a veteran. If Brady uses Gronkowski, why can't Jameis use Jimmy? Well, I actually did see that someone bring that up, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And I wouldn't be against it. I mean, I, I never I never hated Jimmy Graham. I hated 
towards the end what Jimmy Graham was doing to the Saints offense in that you know the it was it was during that era where they had too many bad eggs on the team and it got to where all Breeze ever did was just it seemed like all he ever did was just throw the ball up to Jimmy Graham and I, I didn't like that but um no I I would have no problem with that I love the tight end position um in other words basically he would be Jawan Johnson and, and Jawan Johnson apparently still doesn't know the plays or whatever his problem is. So I would, yeah, I would have zero issue with that. Now, does he want to do it? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I would think he would want to. It would be kind of fitting for him to to end his career in on a good Saints team because he started on one. So, um, I got no issues with that, and it shouldn't cost a whole lot to his point. So, I. You know, I don't know that it's necessary. Again, I'm not nearly as negative about the tight end position as almost all of you. I'm really, I'm not. And I don't think the Saints are. Again, that's another example so far from what I can see based on what they've done in free agency in the draft. I think the Saints also, the way I'm thinking and the way the Saints are thinking and kind of lining up about on that position as well. I think Vanette is better. Than he showed last year, and I think Troutman is still got is going to be better when you put better pieces around him. Too much of the last two seasons have been total chaos for me to just give up on Troutman like almost all of you have. I, I just I don't buy that as, as a way of of viewing that situation. But we'll see in time. But no, I got no issues if they want to bring back Jimmy Graham on a cheap deal and, and he can be a red zone deal. I I, I support it. All right, the game hotline, 706-0111, The Astros paid the piper, and also the team that I was pulling for, although not nearly. I don't, you know, now that there's no, you know, LeBron and all that silliness when they went to Miami, I I don't really have anything against the Heat, especially this Heat team. And so they're they're by far the easiest team to root for because there's something. Again, I'm pulling for the Mavs to beat the Warriors. I I I, I hope they win. Uh, they got their face crushed last night, so it didn't go as well in Game One of the Western Conference Finals as it did for me in the Eastern Conference Final Game One. But but something about Luca, I don't know. He's just he's aggravating. I mean, he's just. The, all this smiling that he does and the way he does it, I don't know. He, You know who he's starting to remind me of, and I don't think he's nearly as he's – he's got a little Aaron Rodgers in him. I, I don't – I'm not saying he's nearly as bad as Aaron Rodgers, but something about him kind of has a little Aaron Rodgers in him. I don't think I'm going to like that guy, Luca. And it's funny because – I had the thought last night while I'm watching a little bit of that. I don't know. I watched about a quarter and a half of that game. And I'm thinking, if you're someone who's not a real big NBA fan, I'm thinking this while I'm watching. If you're someone who's not a real big NBA fan or used to be kind of like me and doesn't watch it very much anymore, and you've been hearing all this Luca, 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 and then you watch last night's game, you're like, man. What is all the fuss about? He looks terrible. He looks slow. Throw, turning over the ball all over the place. 
I don't know. He also kind of reminds me of a Larry Bird when Aaron Rodgers smirks. You know, Larry Bird never smiled because when you're that ugly, you can't smile. I mean, you can Larry Bird was just so ugly that you just smile with like would have broke his face, I think. So um, Larry Bird never smiled. He was too ugly to smile. But he um, he just kind of beat you with his head and his shooting and passing and all that kind of stuff. And and, th- and this guy kind of reminds me of maybe that's a, he, he he's 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 the worst of Larry Bird and Aaron Rodgers in one. Not a big fan of Luca, I gotta tell you. Not a big fan, but but he um, but he's playing. I don't want the other team to win, so I'm pu- I'm pulling I'm pulling for his team to win. But I don't I don't know. I I I I hear some of these experts that tell me they can win, and I hope they're right because the cat brunts, and I hate the way he shoots. I mean. How how can you be in the NBA and your shot be that flawed? That cat's shot is awful, Brunson. Awful. And and um I don't know. Not 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 good. I don't I just don't think they're gonna be a the only way they're gonna win is if their complimentary guys get really hot from three in four of the remaining six games. To me, that's what it's going to take. But we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Because I would love if it was the Mavs versus the Heat in the finals. That would be funny. I would enjoy that. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to shift gears to horse racing. The Preakness is Saturday. We're going to have Mr. Tom on. And then in in the second hour... We're talking Astro Baseball with Pat McClellan. And then we're going to get a unique opportunity. Talk to Cajun softball assistant coach Lacey Prejean. Looking forward to that. But for now, we'll take a timeout. Come back. Talk to our old friend, Mr. Tom. Horse racing Preakness on Saturday. We'll see what Mr. Tom has to say when we come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you before we get to our special guest, if you would like to win downtown rising VIP passes for the Saturday, June 4th 
show featuring Cold War kids. This is what you need to do. Go to the website, join the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you might win VIP passes to meet Cold War kids, the down, the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience presented to you by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, we have with us our old friend, Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Well, so what do we got? We got a few... We went from, what, 20 horses to about nine or ten of them, right, for the Preakness? Yeah, welcome to the Preakness. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, it, it's getting to the point, and it's been doing this for 20 years, where the Preakness is going to be squeezed out of this or they're going to lengthen the time between that and the Derby. Three horses, you know, out of the 20 choose to go to the Preakness. It's not a big deal as far as I'm saying. You know, it's, just, it's not a big deal. So if you, if you, in other words, if you don't have a horse that you think can win the triple crown, then right. the, the thought process, well, let's just skip this Preakness outfit and go run in the Belmont. Is that the well, deal? It, it, it's a little deeper than that. Mostly it has to do with fitness. I mean, when, you, when a horse runs a mile and a, a quarter, when he runs 10 furlongs, at three years of age, and they're bas- barely three years of age, you know, it's like asking your 12-year-old to run a four-minute mile. You know, it just is really difficult to do. And trainers, they have to look at the long picture. And what looks better is the Belmont. And if you're real, the Belmont usually has 12 or 13 horses in it. What looks better is the Belmont. The Preakness, if you've ever been to Pimlico, it's, it reminds me of the old fairgrounds. Anybody out there that knows the old fairgrounds, the big wooden structure, and not very well kept up. And it's owned by Frank Stronich, who has Laurel, which is also in Baltimore. And he's been fighting to get it, put it Laurel with a better, with a better track. And there's a lot of politics in this. Uh, you know, they don't want to lose this second crown, second gem or whatever they call it of the Triple Crown. But they might because it's 14 days from the Derby. That's the problem. But yeah. why don't they? Why? I mean, there's got to be somebody that just does it for the best of the. For, it's it's what's better for the sport to change. Yeah, exactly. This. But they talk about this all the time. They want to move it. They want to have a month apart from all of those races. Okay, so May the seventh, uh, June the seventh, and what is it? Something like that. End of June for the Bur- Dirt, for the uh, Belmont. So they would have three weeks, 25, 26 days between each race. That's what they want to do. They'd love to do that. They're talking about that as long as I've been horse racing. You know, it's nothing new. They're not going to do it. Belmont's not going to uh, cooperate with Maryland. Maryland's not going to co- cooperate with New York. And it's going to end up the same way. They're going to talk about it and talk about it. Until the Preakness ends up with three horses and a bunch of Maryland bread. That's what it'll end up doing if they don't get this fixed. All right. As far as the race on Saturday, um, of the horses, 
that ran in the Derby that are running, which is obviously not a huge number in, on Saturday, which one will the the conditions and the distance and all of the Preakness match up much better with them than it than the Derby did? You mean of the horses that came from the Derby? Right. I mean, simplification and uh, an epicenter. I don't think Happy Jack. If Happy Jack wins that, I'm not to stand on my head. But <laughs> I would think that I would think that that simplification that drew the one hole here at Preakness and can stay on the rail because the horse cannot, and I repeat, cannot win from outside. If he takes the horse outside, if they put the horse on the outside, if uh, what's his name, um, <laughs> if uh, if Johnny Velasquez take, has to take the horse to the outside, he can't win. Epicenter is going to be close to the pace. Early voting and Armagnac should be on the lead. That Armagnac, that old Baffert horse from the California who ran with uh, Tabia and Messi and those, he's like the third best horse. He's going to be in there, and he probably is going to go right up to the front with early voting. Pre, the pre, this Pimlico is a speed favoring track. And that's one of the reasons you're not seeing Rich strike. I mean, he would have been so far back, you know, he didn't need a, 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 a jet plane to get him to the front. It wouldn't have happened like the Derby. And that's kind of what you have to do, right? Right. Now, early early voting, I've, I've seen some people kind of kind of interested in that, in that yeah. horse. Well, if he goes to the front and doesn't get challenged, they're not going to beat him. You know, not even Epperson is going to catch him if he doesn't get challenged. But I'm thinking that Armagnac and a couple of horses in there might come up and give him a little push. If you remember last year's Preakness, Midnight Bourbon and uh, Medina Spirit were up on the lead, kind of battling it out for most of the. And Rumbauer, who was about eight or nine lengths back, came and caught him. And I liked Rumbauer in that race because I thought they would have a duel on top. Well, I think the same thing might happen Saturday. And you might get a horse from slightly off the pace to win this. And there's two horses that have that chance as far as I'm concerned. Now, I also saw that um, Cox got into some trouble. Tell us about that. I don't know much about that. I I didn't read too much about that. Uh, Are you talking about... uh, Brad Cox? Right, correct. Yeah, I, I don't know much about that, so I, I'm not going to comment. It's, it, these guys are always, there's always something going on. And it's usually, it usually has to do with the politics of racing. Like, do you want to enter your horse? Do you not want to enter it? It costs $150,000 to put this horse creative minister in this race. So, you know. I, I, I wish I knew more. I don't know that much about what you're talking about. Now, I kind of was thinking simplification in the Derby, and it didn't happen. Um, it, is that your pick, or I'm trying to read from what you said. What what are you kind of leaning right now? I, I I like a horse that nobody likes. <laughs> Everybody's saying this horse can't win. The horse is called Skippy Longstock. He's owned by... Um, Daniel Alonso, who has a lot of nice horses in Florida, and he's trained by a guy named Sappy Joseph. Now, Sappy just won the Florida, the Gulfstream title. In the Gulfstream title, that's the competitive meet that has a Florida Derby and all that in it. So he has some nice horses. 
his white Barrio was in the Derby, and it didn't run very well. So I'm thinking this horse, Skippy Longstocking, this horse has gotten better every time he's run. He's got nine races. He's one, two. He's five for nine. It's for his first, second, and third. He's moving forward, and he's not going to be in the lead. He's going to be somewhere where Rumbauer was last. Now, the question is, they say his wood was one pace. Well, it might have been, but he stayed right there with the two horses, Mo Donegal and early voting, I believe, was in the wood. But he stayed there, right there with these horses, and he only got beat by three lengths at the end. Plus, he's had 42 days to rest. I like the nine horse, and he's going to be something like 20 to one. That's who I like. I now, like the one also. Now, Simplification. Right. That's the sales sale. Now, you know me, the old yeah. newspaper guy in me says, Skippy Longstocking can't win because you can't fit I, that in a one-column headline. Exactly. I, I agree. I, I understand all of your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything. I'm listening to you, Randy and Raven, about the, the Saints and the Astros before. So I know what <laughs> Can't fit Skippy I'm, Longstocking I'm, I'm, in a one-column headline. So – but but I fully but understand. but being on the outside is being on the outside is not a disadvantage at the Preakness. Oh no, not a, not a, with a short field, a nine horse field. Oh, that's nothing. That, especially at, at uh, Pimlico, all you got to do is break. If you, if this horse breaks, I think he's in the race. Okay, whether he could beat Epicenter, I don't know, but I'm hoping the Epicenter is going to be one to one or maybe two to one. And then early voting is going to be maybe two or three to one. And you're going to have to find some B-A-L-U-E, you know, value in the race. And you're not going to find it with those two horses. And believe me, if Kenny McPeak can win with a uh, creative minister, more power to him. A horse is lightly raced. And uh, that's the only horse. Fenwick, I have no idea what this horse is doing in the race. And I have no idea why they've got Happy Jack in there. Except Calumet Form. They won with Oxbow about 20 years ago when he beat Thunder Gulch or some horse like that. So Calumet likes to put their horses in, and if if this horse runs good, but he's too slow. That's all. That's my opinion. He's too slow. So he if Epicenter, so if Epicenter, who a lot of people were high on, doesn't yeah. win this yeah. race, were, were were people just misanalyzing how good this horse? I mean, Epicenter should yeah. win this race, right? I mean, should. Yeah, he should. I mean, he was leading at nine and a half furlongs in the Derby. And he looked like he was going to win, right? You remember? Right. He looked like he was going to win. Uh, 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 Zandon was not catching him, the horse that was second. And then he just got beat by circumstances. But, I mean, he just couldn't re-break. When he saw Rich strike to his left, he just couldn't re-break, okay? So he had no more gas in the tank, Right. No, that makes sense. I, I just, yeah, I mean, a horse should win. But if he runs that same exact race foot, you'll win this because it's 110 yards shorter at Pimlico. And the turns are tight, so you got to be up close. You don't want to be running from too far behind. Now, I didn't check. Is the is there any weather issues potentially no, or no? the weather issue is like us. It's hot, 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 hot. And that's what it is. It's hot. And, and that's bad for horses. They sweat, they get tired, they get worked up. So they're going to have to cool them all off real quick, I mean, before the race and stuff. 
because that does affect horses. They do not like real hot weather. They like it to be slightly cool, but they're not going to get that at, at Pimlico. It's going to be hot. All right. Well, I'll keep an eye on your skippy long stocking. <laughs> That's what Bandit tells me. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking I know Nate about as much as anybody else. The point is, is that he sits, if he breaks well and sits well, and they don't have to, you know, mess with him too much, he's got a shot. That's all I'm saying. I understand. You like me. You, what you're saying is it's boring to pick the Chiefs to win the AFC West every year. Well, I mean, yeah. it's boring. I mean, aren't you the same way except for the Saints? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The same way except for the Astros? Hate you, chalk. You're for some money. Yes, Crazy. yes. More yes. fun. I agree. I all right, well, yes. we'll see what happens. I appreciate your time as always, sir. You have a nice weekend. Thank you very much, Kevin, and uh, thanks for having me. All right, Mr. Tom. Oh, man, again, I'm I'm not joking. I used to uh, – you have a, a horse or an athlete whose name is that long. Oh, they got to shorten that. That doesn't fit in a one-column headline. That's just the way old newspaper people think. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, you can watch us on the simulcast 32.3 on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. Want to remind you about if you would like to get a sneak preview of the hot movie Top Gun Maverick. You could win a pair of tickets for the special sneak preview, which is going to be May the 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. You do that by simply texting Top Gun, T-O-P-G-U-N, text Top Gun to 68683, text Top Gun to 68683. You might win a special sneak preview to watch the movie. Thanks to Big Boy Toys and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right. Uh, Cajun baseball, LSU conferences all over the country are going to be opening uh, their you know final weekend series. Most conferences, I would think, end on Saturday so you can have more rest for whenever you start your conference tournament. Some start on Tuesday. I'm sure some start on Wednesday, some Thursday, somewhere in the middle of the week next week. So, uh, Cajuns will play Little Rock tonight. We'll see how um, they do. Coach Daggs, in our interview on Tuesday, hinted at some things. And then after the win Tuesday night, 
uh, hinted at some things as far as changing how he uses his pitchers. Essentially what he said was that he's considering using pitchers on shorter stints to be able to use them more often. And, you know, whatever they do, it's not unusual that you would use your pitching staff differently in the postseason than you do the regular season. Kind of like we were talking with Koki having to do with LSU's pitching situation yesterday. So we'll see if they start that this weekend. But I'm thinking if you're going to do it like Wednesday, Thursday of next week in the tournament, you're going to have to kind of start it in some form or fashion this weekend or they may not be ready. So we'll see how that plays out that's that does it for the first hour another ever hour to follow on this not so glorious thursday on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station broadcasting live from the delta media studios in upper lafayette Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, we can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, If you want to get in on the game hotline, this segment is the time to do it because there won't be – we'll be doing interviews the rest of the hour. Uh, Talking Astros baseball with Pat McClellan in the next hour and then talking Cajun softball. They will begin regional play tomorrow at 1.30 in the Clemson Regional in South Carolina against the Auburn Tigers. And we'll be speaking with Cajun assistant coach Lacey Prejean. So looking forward to that at about 10.30. So if you would like to talk about any of the stuff going on in college sports, uh, any comments on the Preakness after talking to Mr. Tom, uh, the PGA? The You know, Mr. Tom and I were kind of talking about chalk and how we don't really like chalk. In other words, he's a guy who likes really analyzing horse racing, and it's boring to say, well, I'm high on the favorite, especially the overwhelming favorite like an epicenter is. So I get that. Um, it's boring like when, you, when I make predictions for, you know, mate, Major League Baseball or the NFL to pick the same teams to win the same division over and over again. Unless it's my team, then it's not boring. But if it's anybody else, like, man, I, them again, like, it's just boring. So it's chalk. So you, I don't really like chalk. And I don't follow, much like the NBA, I don't follow golf as much as I did in the 80s and 90s. And But one of the things that used to drive me crazy about it is like there was a stretch there where it seemed like every major, Seve Ballesteros, the parking, the man who played from the parking lot, he would always, it would all, it was all Seve Ballesteros. I don't like Charles. I don't like when the same group of one or two or three golfers kind of start winning all these majors. So I'm hoping somebody that's not on anybody's radar wins this PGA. That's what I'll pull for. Um, I, I don't know. 
Scheffler seems like a great story. It's got a local connection. I get all that, but um, but enough. Like, like I just I root for not chalk in in these. I don't like when they in a especially in a golf tournament. Like, there's so many guys that theoretically are capable of winning that for the same. It's it's actually very impressive when the same when a guy gets on a run because there are many guys who are capable of winning. But I don't like when they do, so I'm going to be rooting for not chalk. You know, all these people, a lot of people pick like, okay, I got five golfers or I got three. I'm hoping it's somebody that wins that's not on any of those guys' list. That's kind of what I'll pull for uh, when when it comes to that. Um, I think I'm going to stick with simplification, even though I got it wrong in the derby. Um I can't go again. The old newspaper part of me, guy in me, I cannot go with Skippy Longstocking. Early voting does sound interesting, but uh, I'm a, I'll, I'll stick with, uh, with with simple simplification for whatever that means. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Oh uh, yeah, those uh, those horse racing guys. You gotta love them. <laughs> old, old time as rem- reminds me of growing up and. Black Cat Lacombe at the racetrack and Buddy D and Hap Glaudy reading the daily double results and yes. oh yeah, good times. We used to we used to go there when we would get out of Jesuit and go and catch like the last three races. And they let you in there and they let you bet, you know, and bet bet you two dollars on the yeah. favorite and win back two dollars and ten cents. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what are you doing to me? I mean, I, I'm counting on you to, you know, come in there and basically put the final nails in the coffin on this season. And all you did was give give these people hope, and it's it's false hope is what it is. I told you it was a bad circumstance. Bad circumstance series for the Astros. They were on the third leg terrible. of a three-city trip. I can't believe that team is, is has the record it has. Well, their pitching's been fabulous. Now, they're not as good as they've shown because they were playing teams that aren't hitting yet. You know, I've been talking about that all season. But, no, they're going to be fine. But, but you know, the, the, the Red Sox were due to win. Not against Houston, they weren't. Yeah, Astros have been winning a lot lately. They are the third leg of a three-city trip. Bad circumstance series. I'm just very thankful they didn't get swept. I really, I was really genuinely concerned they were going to get swept. Yes, it was a bad circumstance series. The the only uh, bright spot, if you will, is that uh, they let Pavetta pitch the whole game. I, I would never have imagined in a million years that uh, Mr. Captain Hook Cora would uh, let anybody pitch uh, nine innings. L- I was surprised that it had happened as recently as three years ago. I, I, Chris Bale, of all people. Right. I, I, I kept chuckling about you calling him Little Nicky Pavetta. Little Nicky Pavetta did, did the job last night. Well, he must have he must have put the word out uh, 
<laughs> and so they were they were afraid of getting their legs broken, so they just uh, they succ- they succumbed to uh, the fear. That's the only thing I can think of. But, uh, but now, yeah, that's that's not the way I envisioned. Uh, envisioned it going because now these we can get on a hot streak and we can catch the Yankees and uh, you know all all kind of crazy talk you know (laughs) it's really crazy talk catch the Yankees come on (laughs) I've been watching this for for uh, 55 years and they've never fallen behind and come back now they've had big leads and blow them that's that's happened uh, more than a handful but of times. But y'all been better than the Yankees. Y'all been y'all done deficit. more than the Yankees in the last fifteen years or so. Y'all, you got to enjoy this stretch you're on. The, y- the well, Red Sox have outperformed the Yankees in the last two decades. I would I would enjoy it if if it wasn't for Cora and Bloom <laughs> and this this owner that they have who's more interested. In his hockey team and his soccer team over in uh, Europa or whatever this European league is. Oh man, it's just it's terrible. You know, it was like when uh, Will Wade was the basketball coach, and I just wanted LSU to lose every game just so they would get rid of him. <laughs> Well, they got they got rid of him. <laughs> well, hang in there. Your team might start losing again and make you happy. So we'll see. Well, we play in the Mariners, so uh, uh, I'm expecting uh, I'm expecting to go back to the way things were. I okay. think for the Astros, that was just an anomaly, as okay. they say. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take Kevin. care. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> oh, that is just unbelievable. Usually, you gotta. You got to try to, you know, help the guy, uh, a fan, lick his wounds. But, you know, he, with him, he, it just makes him miserable when his team wins. <laughs> He's unbelievable. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to our old friend, Ralph. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. How you doing, man? Good morning. Look, I'm, I'm like you, uh, you know, and I've lost way too many to a bet at, the, at Evangeline Downs because I don't bet on the chalk. You know, I'm always trying to – to find that long shot and diamond in the rough. But um, I do think, you know, I think Epicenter is going to be tough to beat. But I will say this. I think the horse that you like in the Derby simplification has a, a big shot in this race. Um, you know, the Preakness, unlike most of them, the races, the, the one pole does not hurt you. Um, there's been numerous winners from the one position. And, um you know, with only a nine-horse field, he's not going to have to fight all that traffic he did in the Derby. I, I and he finished full of run. I think he's got a a, a really big shot. No, I, I just said him in the Derby because after hearing, you know, what Mister Tom and other people know way more about horror, I just liked what I heard about his run and how he kind of had a bad trip and and I believe it was the Florida Derby he was in. So that that I just felt like, well, I could see him coming through. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. No, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it should be fun to watch. Um, I, you know, the, the the one thing you said about you know favorites, uh, and it's, I was watching TVG uh, the other day, uh, and uh, some of the races on there, and and this is really astounding. Uh, nationwide, favorites are winning at a forty percent clip, and that's it's never been that high. It, you know, it, most of the time we would barely get to thirty percent, um, and they really 
can't explain why, you know, but for some reason, uh, either the betting public is getting more savvy or, um, you know, whatever. There's a lot of smaller fields too, just in general. But is that anyway, a, is that, that a pandemic? Is that a pandemic post pandemic situation or end of? No, it, it, it's unfortunately. Um, you talking about the small fields or the, the um, well? I'm talking the about the favorites that. winning. In other words, there's not as much depth as there used to be because of the pandemic. No. Is what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think the pandemic really had anything to do with that. It was starting to decline. Uh, you know, you start seeing smaller and smaller fields at, at at tracks. You know, across the country, and I think it's. I hate to say it because I love the sport, but I think it's just uh, uh, on the decline a little bit because what what a lot of places have done they, they don't have the cheap you know cheap claimers anymore those the, those kind of tracks are kind of being phased out unless they happen to be associated with a casino but um so there's really there's better horses running but 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 smaller fields because i mean you know you start talking about this this caliber horse and, and they're not selling for ten thousand dollars you know they're going for hundreds of thousands of dollars you know so I think it's you know a lot of things, but uh, but in general, unfortunately, it's um, it, it seems to be a little bit, uh, and it's so much more expensive now to to rate you know to race a horse. I mean, to raise and race a horse, right? Uh, you know, uh, everything just costs so much. But, uh, uh, absolutely, so that, just make sure Daryl uh, Williams signs. Y- yeah, exactly. No, I wanted to, uh, I, one more thing. I just wanted to say again with favors. Normally, I root against him, but with Jordan Spieth, I know he's kind of a favorite for the PGA. I would, I would love to see him, you know, get his career Grand Slam because I just think he does things the right way, and I, I do pull for for good guys. And I just wanted your opinion on one more thing, Kev, with the Saints. Um, you know, I was looking at Bob Rose's projected fifty-three man roster, and it, it made a lot of sense in in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, but you know, he had him. Uh, keeping six receivers, which I really don't see happening because I've never done that before, and only keeping six, uh, you know, cornerbacks and safeties combined. I think it gets down to Callaway and Smith for that fifth receiver spot. And if it does, I just wanted your input on, on who you think would be the most likely uh, one of those two to be cut. All right. Thanks so, for the call. Listen, buddy. All right. And thank look, you. Good luck. Uh, good luck having to wait. Six days to watch the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just said the other day about how, at, at least in baseball, you don't have to wait a long time. It's not like football. <laughs> you got that way this time, buddy. <laughs> All righty. Thanks for the call. Um, I think they would keep Callaway over Smith, although. You know, I think they like some things behind the scenes kind of stuff with Smith, they call it. But no, I, I think I think if it came down to those two, again, we're in May. But I think if it came down to those two, they would pick Callaway. We'll see how that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears, talk Astros with our friend Pat McClellan of the Lima Time. Podcast next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right.
That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you tonight... Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. LSU begins its final series in a regular season, three-game series at Vanderbilt. You can hear first pitch set for about 7 o'clock. You can hear that all right here on the game. Astros will return home after a three-city road trip. Take on the Texas Rangers first pitch about 7-10. And you can hear that on our sister station News Talk 98.5 FM. We have with us Patrick McClellan of the Lima Time Podcast. And a lot has happened since we last spoke having to do with the Astros. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing good. Yeah, things are great in, in this city. Things are doing well. All right. So the Astros, I don't know. I, I went into this series against the Red Sox very fearful. For one thing, the Astros had had won what twelve of their previous thirteen games. It was they were in the third city of a three city road trip, and the Red Sox had not won a home series all year long. They had a little bit of a revenge factor after getting their faces crushed by the Astros in the ALCS. And they were just kind of due to play well, you would think. And so I was worried about getting swept. They lost two out of three, but I was actually happy, especially with the way they won it. How were you thinking going into that series? Uh, I mean, I the way they're playing, I don't. I'm I'm not scared of any team anywhere, honestly. <laughs> um, and, I, and they're bad. Boston's a bad baseball team right now. I don't know. They just they they they're they're a mess. So uh, yeah, I don't. It's still at Fenway, you know. You got to be a little bit nervous and respectful, but I, yeah, I mean, the Astros can play with anybody. I'm, I'm, I feel pretty good. Um, so as far as one of the things that that I I have never quite understood, I don't know if you remember this, but it seemed like every time Jim Edmonds years ago, when the Astros oh. were in the National League Central, Jim Edmonds would come to Minute Maid Park, he'd hit an at least once every series, sometimes two or three times, he'd hit an inside-out, uh, you know, home run into the Crawford boxes. He just kind of mastered how to do this. It would drive me crazy. So, I love – Yeah, the, I, rem- I remember that very well. I would murder Jim Edmonds if I saw him in the street. I hate him. <laughs> and add, add Edgar Rintery and, and stop rolling into that list as well. But, yeah, yeah, he's on my number one on my list. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't stand him. So you get this big guy, Yordan Alvarez, who I call El Pedro Grande, and I, I love him. But one of the things that drives me crazy, he hardly ever hits a lazy fly ball into the Crawford boxes. So he goes to Fenway, and, in the, and, and you know, he hits this lazy fly ball to left field to start off the five home run in the second inning, a nine-run second inning on Tuesday. It's like, why can't he hit lazy fly balls into the Crawford boxes at home? I think he's going to figure that out. That's been, a, that's been a thing I've always talked about. When he figures out how to just go the other way and just – I mean, he didn't even have to put any any weight behind it. Literally, he could just arm a, a ball out there. When he starts going – when he starts hitting that way and 
pitchers have nowhere to throw him. He's going to be, I mean, absolutely unstoppable. You know, he is. He has incredible play, play discipline. Again, I love the guy, but it just seems like. And again, you can't do it all the time. You gotta just. You gotta. You can't have it affect your approach because you're trying to hit the ball in the Crawford boxes. I get it. It just seems like even by accident, he would hit more balls in the Crawford boxes. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and I'm seeing. I'm seeing him go the other way and just take a base hit. So I mean, I know he can. I know he hits the other way. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's how he's being pitched, or uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I think we'll start to see a lot more of it because there's just no reason not to do that. I, I like. I, I think that's a good. Uh, that's a good thing to go have him go forward. The only thing that I didn't like about um, Tuesday's game, and it, you know, it's fun to, to, especially when in my mind, anytime you're playing the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Punks, who are what I call the Dodgers, it's it's great when you do great things like hit five home runs in inning for the first time ever. But the only thing I didn't like is, to me, Arquiti did not look good again. I've always been a big Arquiti guy. I love his approach. To me, he has not pitched well this year. Are you worried about him yet, or do you think it's still early in the season and, and he'll be fine? But uh, he I, I, he did not pitch well again Tuesday. No, you know, he has he, – uh, he's, he, he's very dicey. You don't – you don't know what you're going to get from him in the regular season, but you do know what you're going to get in the postseason. So I, I, yeah, I don't like what I'm, I'm seeing, but I know if he's on the hill, he's going to, he's going to lock it down come, come postseason. That's just kind of his, it's been his mo. But yeah, he needs to, yeah, he needs to tighten some stuff up. I, yeah, I, I'm 100 percent with you on that, but I'm not worried about him. All right, so. I think we had talked about I, – I loved Goodrum's attitude. I loved the idea that you could tell he was having a ball being on a good team after playing with the Tigers, uh, and, you know, teams where he, he he hadn't really played on a good team. And yet it seemed like the catch struck out almost every time he batted. So I didn't really think he would last that long. What, it, what were your impressions of the Dubon trade, and how do you see that playing out? Uh, I, I again, I, I don't even know. I didn't even know who he who he was, so I'm 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 very disrespectful in in my take of him. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, take it back, give people a rest. It's all. I mean, it's really his only job. So I mean, as far as that concerned, he he did great. All uh, right. Um, the other thing that happened in Fenway is Jake Odorizzi. Um. You know, fell off the mound. I I didn't know what was going on. I worried he blew out his knee, but it didn't look like that had happened. He said he thought he had, he heard an Achilles pop. Uh, He's always been a little bit of a strange guy to me and um, really kind of bizarre. And yet he's pitched very well. So what what are your impressions of him? Yeah, did you you hear his his, post-game remarks when they were asking him about it, how he was just talking? Like, he was... Yeah, he thought he tore his Achilles, which you would you know if you tear your Achilles. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, other reason that you would know. Um, and the fact that it's not even anything serious and he couldn't walk is very odd. That's very weird to me. That whole that whole thing is very strange. But him, he's still he's pitched great as of late. But I still don't trust him. So that's just where I'm at with him. He's got to he's got to pitch the whole season of before I can. I just don't. Yeah, I don't trust him yet. You remember last year? Was it in the? 
was it in the early on in the ALCS? I don't remember. I think it was against the Red Sox. It might have been again where he came into a game because somebody yeah. left in the first inning and he took like forty minutes. It seems like to warm up. Yeah, He's love, just a strange. I thought that was guy. hilarious. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I, I, I think that was that's my my favorite Odorizzi moment so so far is him doing that. You know, everybody, even probably some of his teammates, were thinking, "Come on, cat, let's go, let's get, let's go." I mean, it was a nice. They were they were crushing. It was a good. It was, hey, make them wait. Sit there. It was. I like. It was a nice. It was a little gamesmanship. I thought. Uh, I, I liked it. It was. It, it was definitely that. All right. So, I think differently than most people. I like, and especially when you're playing teams that aren't great, and the Rangers overall are not great. I like playing teams who are. You know, maybe a little under 500 kind of teams that you don't expect. I like when they they get wins before they before they play the Astros. So what I say, they're not really due to win. They just swept the Angels, which is great. I, I don't pay yeah. attention to standings till June the first, but uh, that's my always been my policy. But I do like that the Rangers just swept them. Uh, but they do have some hitters that you know the Astros really struggle with: Seager and Garcia. Uh, what what are you what are you thinking coming into this series? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the that's going to be what they do pretty much until uh, they they fill in some of the other pieces around those hitters. If they're they'll they'll win some series and they'll come out and they'll hit the cover off the ball for and get streaky, but then they'll be bad other times. I mean they're they're third, they're in third place right now. I do look at standings. I don't I don't care about them, but I I, pay, I look at it and they're the third they're third place in the division somehow. Um. Yeah, they're gonna. They're not a good baseball team, and we should handle them like we did before. But yeah, Garcia can smash and Seager. They, they have. Some, they have some good pieces there that they. Uh, they're not as far off as I thought they they once were. They're they, they're getting there. And they also have a pitcher who the last time the Astros faced him, he pitched six perfect innings. Now the Astros ended up winning that game because he was pitching against Verlander, but he did throw six perfect innings. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments the, and the Astros make and how that works out when they, when they, I don't know which day, but they face him sometime this weekend. Yeah. He, he looked as dominant as anybody's has ever looked in that game. Um, yeah. I, this is something I'm worried about. They've been playing some, they've had a pretty tough schedule thus far and then you have this start to stretch with the Rangers and I don't want them to play down to their competition. I'd like them to get the wins when they're supposed to. So uh yeah, I don't know. I I'm not worried about the Rangers, but you you never know with the Astros playing down their competition. It's an old tradition like none other. Well, we should have known yesterday was going to be strange because the first batter of the game was Jose Altuve having a 10 pitch at bat, which hardly ever happens. And now he's hit plenty of home runs. It was his 25th. But he don't often, you know, a lot of times he'll hit home runs. It'll be the first or second pitch. You know, he, he's very impatient at the plate. So for him to have a 10-pitch at bat, we should have known we were in for a strange game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, he got he got brushed back a, a little bit. And then he, uh, yeah, fought some pitches. That was a great at bat by him. But, yeah, you're right. He, uh, he, is, he usually jumps on the first pitch or second, maybe the second. But, yeah, that's, that was just a good Good display of hitting. I, I, yeah, but yeah, it's as strange as it gets. You're right. It's a very weird game. So, what do you you know? Bregman so far, I, I thought he he really needed to have a big season. He started out hot, then he went in a big slump, and he's kind of been there here and there. I'm still I'm still not confident he's back to 
I don't expect him to be in the top five of MVP. I don't even care if he is. I just want him to be a consistent player. Do you, are, are you sold that he's back yet or not yet? Yeah, I, I mean, I well, I mean, I was. I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. I, I was uh, the way he was hitting starting out. Uh, he he said it, it, it's some mechanical thing um, that needs to get worked out. And I, I I trust anything that he says regarding baseball. If he says it's mechanical, he needs to work it out, and he'll be fine. Then that's what it is. Um, but it's weird for it to him to go from hitting like that to just shutting off. Luckily, that Guriel started coming on, and everybody else slid into their. Spot, so that's the beauty of this lineup. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'd like him to get back on track too, because then uh, all cylinders will be firing if he gets hit again. All right, one more question. We had a, a, a listener last week who called, and he wanted to know if you had any insight or had heard anything as to going back to the lockout at the beginning of the season. Why did the Astros, and I think Jason Castro was the officially the one who officially did the the actual vote. Why were the Astros one of the teams that voted against coming back? Did you ever hear any any reasoning why the Astros were against voted against it? I have no no I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I'm trying to think right now off the top of my head what would. I think they just kind of anti-major league baseball front office. You know, they're like, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah they're not real yeah, that's, yeah, trusting that's, that's, of that's any of that. Writing's on the wall right there. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, I think that's what it was, but I didn't know if you had heard anything little, any more specific than that. So I told them I'd ask you. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, they keep yeah they keep that pretty close to the that, that kind of stuff pretty close to the the vest. Yeah, I think that you can almost lock it in that that's exactly what it is. If anything Manfred wants, uh, they will want to do the opposite for the most part. Exactly. All right. It's been an eventful week. Hopefully they come home. They got to start hitting at home. I mean, like like um, Icky, I call him Tucker. He, he he has 25 ribs on the season. 23 of them are on the road. He has no home yeah. runs at home. I mean, it's t- you got to hit at home some. Yeah, he really does. You're right. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty stark split. But yeah, I, I I think they'll be fine. They're going to – they're cruising. They're, uh, they're just getting into their stride. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for another good year. All righty, sir. I appreciate your time. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Oh, you too. All right. We'll take a timeout. Shift gears. Talk Cajun softball with UL softball assistant coach Lacey Prejean. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 19, 1909. In his first title defense, Jack Johnson fights Jack O'Brien to a no decision in six rounds in Philadelphia to retain his world heavyweight crown. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Before we get to our very special guest, UL assistant softball coach Lacey Prejean, I want to remind you, if you want like to win a family four-pack of ride tickets at a Cajun Heartland State Fair in a couple weeks, well, actually before that, at the Cajun on May 26th through June the 5th, this is what you need to do. 
Text CHSF to 68683. Text CHSF, the first letter in Cajun Heartland State Fair, to 68683. You might win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair scheduled May 26th through June the 5th at the Cajun Dome. All right, it's time to shift gears to Cajun softball. The Cajuns will be playing Auburn tomorrow, 1.30, in South Carolina in the first round of the Clemson Regional. And we have with us UL assistant softball coach, Lacey Prejean. How are you? Hey, Kevin, doing good. How are you doing? I like that intro. Very special. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Very special. Okay, I wasn't going to start with this, but since you said that, to me, you have a tough job. Like, you have Coach Glasgow, who is as intense as any coach and hates to lose as any coach I've ever covered in all my years of doing this. And then you have Coach Robichaux, who always looks intense and serious. So, like, is it your job to kind of lighten the mood sometime on, on this team during the course of a long season? Or tell me about that. But it's been interesting, and fortunately, you know, I've been with Coach Glasgow. This is going on my fourth season. So I've learned his ways, and I know how when, when he has a certain walk, what to say, and, and when he's, when he's uh, saying different things, I just I know how to back him up and follow him. And he's very intense. He definitely is the most competitive person that I know and definitely hates to lose more than anyone that I know uh, besides myself. But um, And then Coach, Coach Justin, he's uh, – He's sometimes the reasoning behind everything. He keeps the calmness as well as myself in the dugout. We try to stay calm. And uh, with that combination with Coach Kevin Myers in there, uh, you know, we, I think, I'd like to say we're one of the best coaching staffs in the country. Well, y'all certainly done an incredible job with this team. All kind of obstacles behind the scenes and injuries and young players and it seems like y'all are about to play a couple teams, depending on if you win or lose. I don't know as much about Wilmington, but that that um, teams that have the ability to run. Now, no one, I don't know that anybody runs the bases as aggressively and as often as y'all do in terms of trying to steal bases and stuff. But how much of a concern is that? Because, you know, you deal with the defensive side of things a little bit and, you know, you're familiar with the catcher position, playing teams in Clemson particularly, and starting out with Auburn that really are aggressive in running the bases. Right. You know, and that, that's the key right there. We have to play, make the room team plays, eliminate the extra and free bases. And, you know, after watching a lot of video, um, Auburn plays a lot like us offensively. They have power and they have speed. So if we can eliminate the free bases and shut their running game down by getting ahead, then I think we'll we'll have a, a good chance of, of winning. This week, uh, you know, you never want – coaches – you know, we, we kind of think football coaches are like this, but I'm sure softball and baseball coaches are the same thing. You kind of develop routines and you, and you kind of you want to do things the same way that you've done them all year. And then here we go, Coach Glasgow coming out of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, test positive and has to be quarantined. So how have y'all gotten through this week preparation-wise? Preparation-wise, you know, we, we have a system and we've been doing it from since day one. Um, as far as our hitting system, obviously we work a lot on offense. We work a lot off machines. And we work on, you know, different days we work on different pitches. So whether we're facing rise ball, drop ball, 
uh, somebody throws, you know, screwball, curveball, changeup. We know we know what we're going to be facing, and that's how we prepare for it. Our bullpens were the same, and of course, defensively was the same. Um, so the only thing different probably was we were able to practice in the morning uh, before it got really hot out there, and we were able to get a good workout in on Monday in the weight room with Coach Chris, and able to watch a little video. And as far as communicating, Coach Glasgow, we had Zoom. He was able to communicate with the girls, our players through there. So not a lot has changed besides, you know, obviously we miss Coach Glasgow's presence and, um, you know, him, him just being able to join us on the field. Now, you know, some of us, like myself, kind of got used to just traveling 50 miles down the road to Baton Rouge for a regional. Y'all are playing on the Atlantic Ocean here. So this young team, though, Coach Glasgow said something, or no, it was Justin said something, like they probably enjoyed getting on the plane and go. Like, have they seem to adjust to everything, the the, the young players y'all have on your team? Is it is it kind of almost more exciting for them to be going to, to Clemson as opposed to going somewhere closer? I think so. You know, we – they don't know any better. You know, that's kind of the good thing. They don't know that we've only traveled 50 miles down the road in the years past. Um, and Coach Glasgow made a great out-of-conference schedule for us where we traveled a lot. We played some Power 5 schools to prepare us for this. Um, of course, we didn't know at the time this was going to happen, but we're prepared for it. So in their mind and in the way they feel, we're prepared to basically go anywhere and compete and uh, make a good run for it. So – as far as you mentioned the way kind of Auburn is uh, hitting-wise, but it sounds like they have kind of a plus pitcher. Uh, tell us about her, and uh, is she more of a similar to, like, Kendra pitching, or who would you kind of compare to that you that is on your team or one of the opponents in the Sunbelt Conference? Yeah, I would, I would probably compare her to Kendra. She uh, has a, a good rice ball, screwball. She throws hard. She likes to work in the zone and get ahead. And I think if we can contain our, you know, have the same discipline at the place that we've had all year long by drawing walks when we need to and swinging at pitches that are in the zone, I think we'll have some some success. Um, you know, she's she's a great pitcher, and we're going to go out there and compete and compete and all the way to the last out. All right, you've been around a long time. I'm sure you've seen this many times. One of the things that I've noticed in all sports at all levels, but especially in this sport, is that first game of a regional can be tricky, especially on the offensive side. One, you're kind of nervous. Uh, Two, you're facing a pitcher a lot of the time that you've never seen before. And like last year, you won, you played George Washington, who none of us knew anything about, but it was like one nothing in 10 or 11 innings. So how do you kind of get past that, or is that just a reality you have to deal with? I think – Everybody, even if you're the one seed or the 64th seed, you're going to have a little bit of jitters. But that's part of the game. That's why you play. But I think after that first pitch is thrown and it's, it's time to go, it's time to compete. And, uh, you know, our girls are resilient. We've, we've had a lot of adversity. And so we're just going to go out there and, and have fun, enjoy the game, enjoy the process, and, uh, and, and let's go win. One of the things that I, I think that has been a challenge for this team kind of, you know, watching and following you this season that you, I know, are in the middle of is with the injuries and with 
um, a balanced lineup where you have a lot of options and versatility comes a lot of players having to play different positions. And Jordan got hurt, and she played went to second for a little while, and she was at third. And and Stormy's kind of been all over the place, and you know Melissa's been all over the place. How hard has that been to kind of get some sort of stability, especially on the infield uh, defensively with all that movement? I wouldn't say it's hard um, because we have such great athletes. And we practice this in our scrimmages. We play them at different positions when we're trying to find our starting lineup for opening day. So when you have athletes like Stormy, like Melissa, like Laney, like, I mean, Jordan Campbell, they can, they've played so many different positions. It's just at the time who's available, who's healthy, who's ready to go, and they're going to get to start in that spot. So we practiced it. Um, I don't really think it's a mental thing. It's we just got to go out there and execute. And you make the routine plays, eliminate the free bases, and you get the key hits and execute on offense. It kind of eliminates some of the pressure too of that. So we'll we'll be fine with that. Now, when Coach Glasgow on that long trip that you referred to uh, through the Midwest got a little bit of a, of a foot injury. You started coaching third base, and then when you went to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament when Rain and all these people were hitting home runs, I was seeing, you know, you were the one that was getting a, to uh, low-five them and high-five and coming around third. That was more fun. It's more fun to coach third, isn't it? <laughs> more fun, a lot less easier, a lot less uh, decision-making right there. So <laughs> uh, that was that was definitely enjoyable. I just looked at Glass, Coach Glasgow and I said, this is easy, Coach. Come on. <laughs> He kind of laughed at me and said, okay. <laughs> so, um, is, are you going to be coaching third, or is that a game-to-game or an inning-to-inning decision in this regional? It's a game-to-game uh, decision um, in the regional. As soon as Coach Glasgow clears all the protocols, uh, he'll be able to join us. So it's just a game-to-game decision. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you filling in. Uh, it was uh, I always enjoy co- talking to any of y'all, but hadn't yeah. got a chance to do this. So I appreciate you filling in and uh, congratulations on all y'all have accomplished so far this year and good luck this weekend. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right. UL assistant softball coach Lacey Prejeans. No, she did a great job. I was a little worried about putting her on the spot right away since I hadn't interviewed her, you know, on the air, but just she handled it very well. But no, it, I mean, again, Coach Glasgow is so intense. And I'm not joking. Like, he, all coach, no coaches likes to win. I mean, likes to lose, but he really hates to lose. And uh, so he's so intense in and around the games. And, and, and Justin is just, maybe it's just he always has that real determined look on his face to me. And he tried, but you know, Lacey kind of has to. All right, keep things loose a little bit. So, seems like that's a tough job on that team. And it's a very, I'll, very odd mix-up of like type of personalities. Cause like even Glasgow, though I know he's probably like he's really cool. I see he talks to you. He's still like somewhat intimidates me. Like I'm still a little scared of Coach Glasgow. I think <laughs> he's he, so I intense. think he is a genuinely nice, gentle man off the field. And when he gets on the field, he's just incredibly intense. Oh yeah, you can and see hates to lose. You can see when you watch like the broadcast on like yeah, like you know on the four letter word, um, you can just see in his face he's like, all right, let's come on, like <laughs> get the out, let's get a run uh, in. Like what, what are you doing? Come on, they, keep incredibly going. Incredibly how they've made it work. Because, again, a lot of people – I wrote a column earlier this week, and I'm like, raise your hand, people, 
if the the ones that are follow Cajun softball who really thought they were going to do what they about to do after they lost to Georgia Southern and after they lost to Georgia State, I think most people were convinced they are they're going to lose a series somewhere around here. And they didn't. And they won the regular season, ended up doing it kind of going away. And then they won the, swept right through the conference tournament. So it's unbelievable. Right. It, it was, it's really unbelievable. It's impressive like, what they were able to do and, and kind of get all those little missing pieces right. together. And like I, because like for me, as you know, you are an alum as well, but like this is my first year really like actually like following one of our sports teams. Like I still kind of followed football. When I was, you know, performing on the sidelines and performing on this, like on the field itself for a guard, but like I never really followed, but like following the softball team this year, I'm like, all right, you know, you know we're doing good. Like, okay, that's not, that wasn't really that great of a game, right? Great of a series. All right, get the next one. Like you have like these phenomenal moments and moments where like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like to follow them and watch them grow, you know, because they are young, as everybody has been saying, and you can see it in the roster itself, and you know, the grade wise and everything. You can see the maturity of the team, and it's just impeccable. No, it's it's, it's impressive what they've been able to do. Hopefully they can follow it up this weekend. We will see. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, this is what you need to do. You need to go to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Sign up for the Game Clubhouse. Why not? It's free. It's simple. So sign up today, and you might win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. All right. So we got an unusually busy Thursday. Thursday's normally one of the kind of dead days this time of the year, but not anymore. Got game one of LSU at Vanderbilt, game one of the Cajuns hosting Little Rock tonight. And then again, it's we're on the eve of starting the the regional for um the Cajuns playing in South Carolina. LSU saw ball, by the way, is a two seed in in Arizona. So at Arizona State, so a lot, it, kind of a busy Thursday, more than than normal. We'll see uh, how that plays out tonight, and we'll certainly discuss it tomorrow. Appreciate all of our guests today and phone calls. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs> 